Seeing as how this season on healing has been ongoing, I felt like I should put word out to see if anyone had any questions that they wanted to ask. And my friend Angela actually brought up an important one. She said, my question is this, how do you heal from things that are ongoing, like toxicity or emotional pain that is consistent? It's hard to heal when the thing or the relationship isn't over. And I love this question because sometimes our gut response when someone is in a hard situation or difficult relationship is to say, just leave. Leave that situation. Leave that relationship. And sometimes that might be the answer. But there are times when that isn't. When you can't leave or, as I've experienced, God's invited you to stay. So what do you do? when leaving isn't an option, and yet the environment or the relationship is still deeply difficult? Well, God must have liked this question too, because when I started talking to today's guest, Janice, and asked her openly what God had put on her heart around healing, this is where the conversation went. Some of you, like me, really felt Angela's question and really wanna know how it is that we can persevere in the midst of hardship we can't escape. And so if that's you, I hope this episode is encouraging. You're listening to episode 91 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And yeah, I just thank you that even before we were recording, Janice just confirmed something that I had been thinking too, that when everything seems to be going wrong, when there seems to be issues, we know that you are still God and good and that you still work, that nothing can stop you from working. And so yes. we claim that in this conversation as well. Yes. We don't know what you have in store, but we do know that you are present and active. And so we are grateful for that. We are excited about that. And we just want to submit ourselves to that, yes. our words, our thoughts, this conversation in its entirety, we want to give it to you and trust it to you because we know that in your hands, it can be abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we give you this time. We thank you for it. We pray that you are glorified and we look forward to seeing you at work. Honestly, we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. 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 All right, Janice. Well, I'm excited. We're, we're finally able to connect. Yes. We've had all kinds of like obstacles and challenges. But as I prayed and as you shared, oftentimes for me, it really does mean God's about to do something. And so mm. and I really don't know what this conversation is going to look like because we've touched base a little bit through our pod match interaction. And there's a few directions we could go, but I don't know where God's going to take it. Okay. But before we jump in, one thing that I love to do with guests is give a fun way for the guests to briefly just share who they are. And it is fun because I come up with random prompts. Sometimes this (laughs) works well, sometimes less than well. And here's the random prompt that popped in my head right after I finished praying. Okay. So we're in the Christmas season and we're starting to receive our holiday cards. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you're receiving a card from friend and family and you know who they are and you love the picture, but every so often your dentist or a lawyer or some business sends you the cards. So let's say I'm opening the cards and I get a card from Janice and I don't know you yet, but you're using this Christmas card to introduce yourself. So on the front, you're smiling, you know, you do whatever. I open it up and there's a short little blurb about who you are. <laughs> so when I open the Janice Christmas card, oh my what does it say about you? It says in this Christmas season, when we give praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just remember that Janice Liggins is a child of the Most High God. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I it don't is know. simple, <laughs> sweet, and to the point. And that's, I mean, that's it, right? If that's all we have, that we're children of God, that's all we need. All we so need. I prove it's going up on the wall, <laughs> keeping it up all season. Well, Janice, there's so much that we could talk about. You're an author, you work in the nonprofit sector, there's a lot that you do. But to jump in, you know, we first connected because I shared that this season of the podcast is focused on healing. Out the gate, there was a lot of thoughts that you had of what conversation could look like. But right now in this moment, when you think of this idea of healing, when you think of this conversation, is there something that is rising up in your heart a little more than everything else? Yes. The first thought was sometimes we get caught up on other people Mm. and why other people 
do what they do. I went through that. And when people would be mean or nasty or say mean things or just, I would say, God, why would they do that? Why do they say that? God, why would they act like that? God, why, I, why, why, why? I'm asking God all these questions about why other people would do what they did. And I'm not one for tit for tat. Mm-hmm. I don't do payback. And so I would think, well, why would they do that to me? I'm the nicest person in the world. Why, why, why? And so one day God just said to me, I hold you 100% accountable for everything you do, everything you say, everything you do, how you act, and more importantly, how you react. Hmm. But I don't hold you at all accountable for what anyone else does. Hmm. That was very liberating to me, very freeing to me, because it took my mind off of why other people did what they did. Because just like God is holding me accountable for everything I do, he's holding them accountable for everything they do. Mm. And instead of me focusing on why other people did things, it made me focus on myself and had me focus on how am I handling what they did? Yeah, That's what God is looking at because our reactions are more important than our actions because we plan our actions, right? Mm-hmm. We don't plan our reactions. Our reactions are off the cuff. In the middle of someone being nasty, I was able to see that they were just in a real dark and ugly place right then. Mm -hmm. And I felt sorry for them because I wouldn't want to be in that dark and ugly place. And so I was actually able to pray for them in the midst of them being ugly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, not verbally, not openly, just, just in my heart, I would pray for them. To me... That was the most healing thing because it focused on how am I doing with God. That's the only thing that matters. How What other people are doing does not matter. Just pray for them and make sure you're in the right space with God. Another point to that, though, is we have to guard our heart with all diligence because our heart's the only thing God looks at. He doesn't care about our money. He doesn't care about our education. He doesn't care about how much stuff we have. He only cares about our heart. Mm-hmm. How pure is our heart? And so we cannot be angry and bitter with other people because of what they did. Because if we do, then we have an angry and bitter heart. And God cannot use an angry heart. So I made a motto that I need Jesus more than I need anybody breathing. Mm. So no one, no one gets me riled up because they are beneath the name of Jesus. And he says he will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. So I try to keep my mind stayed on him. And so while other people are acting foolish, I just pray for them and keep going. Here's what's interesting. We've mentioned a few times we don't know where conversation is going. And you and I both agree God could take the conversation anywhere. I think this is the topic, Mm -hmm. right? What God put in your heart, I think this is the topic. And I'll tell you why in a second. What you're describing is so important because in my own life, but also in many of these conversations I've had this season, so much of what somebody was healing from stemmed from or was attached to another person. Mm -hmm. And when we don't own what you're saying, then we can decide that our healing is contingent Mm -hmm. on that other person, on them changing, on them apologizing, on them making it right. And so we will sit in a place of unhealing because we're waiting on that other person. The reason that I really believe that this is the conversation is because the other day I felt prompted to post on Facebook asking if anybody had questions about healing that they're processing. And one of my longtime friends, Angela, she said, my question is this, how do you heal from things that are ongoing, like toxicity or emotional pain that is consistent? It's hard to heal when the thing or the relationship isn't over. And so what do we do when we're in spaces where the other person, their actions are continuing to cause harm, and yet God is calling us to stay? So I'm grateful that this is what God put in your heart. Here's the question that it brings to my mind. You know, what you're saying, I agree with. 
but somebody could hear it and take it as like a broad sweep platitude, like, oh, don't worry about what other people think, which is easy for us to say. But when it is a close relationship, when it is someone that you will have to interact with, a boss or a coworker, a spouse or a family member, someone that you can't just write off and say, you're out of my life. How do we go from this being a trite platitude to something that is true and is attainable? We have to remember that we are spirit. We have a body because we're in a natural world, right? Mm -hmm. But most people are so caught up on the natural part of who they are because it's what we see, feel, touch, and taste every day. But most of us have seen a body at a funeral at some point. Mm -hmm. And you could speak to that body all day long. It's going to lay right there. Because without the spirit, the body is worthless. But we put all of our effort and energy into this body, this physical thing. But God is spirit and he made us in spirit. He made us in his image. And we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so it's a matter of looking at God and his word for who he is. He is our father. There's a battle for our mind and our thoughts. And that battle, God wants our mind and our thoughts. So does the adversary. And so the adversary is going to constantly try to plague us and distract us from doing the things that God wants to do. Well, we have to choose. We have the choice as to who we're going to listen to. When we choose every day, God, thy will be done. And we mean it. And we live in that. Then there is such thing as called peace that passeth understanding. Mm -hmm. He promised that. So he will keep us in an inner peace, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of other people acting ugly on a continuing basis. My mom used to say, look beyond their faults and see their need. Mm -hmm. And we need to do that. Look beyond the person. Why is that? Remember, I was saying, God, why this and why that? God sees them Mm -hmm. and he's going to judge them. Pray for them. Don't let your heart get so hard that you cannot pray for that person, whether it's your boss or your spouse or your child. And I've been through all three, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just literally you have to just put God above everyone and everything. And he will strengthen you to be able to be content and abide in that situation. He will get you through. Sometimes we go through challenges because it's God's opportunity to strengthen us. He may not cause the challenge, but he will use the challenge. Mm -hmm. And so we all have gone through situations where we say, why does this keep happening to me? Why does this keep? Well, it keeps happening because we didn't learn what God wanted us to learn the last time we went through it. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning of every new challenge, you know, we should ask God, what is it you want me to see, know, and do? And how is it you want me to be? What do you want me to see, know, and do? And how is it you want me to be as it relates to that situation? And then allow him to show it to you. Allow him to show you. He will tell you. And so you will then be able to make it through that challenge because we grow through what we go through. And then we will be able to elevate to another level of spiritual purpose. God will promote us to another level of spiritual purpose. So sometimes the person who's aggravating us is just the adversary's way of trying to keep us from passing the next test Mm -hmm. that God has for us. So you can't put your focus on that person and what they're doing. You have to focus on pleasing God. What God, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And so in every situation, What is it you want me to see, know, and do? And what will happen is you'll pass the test. And by test, I mean, we are not fit for God to use us until we reach a certain level of growth and maturity. We are all filled with toxins. When we're babes in Christ, we all have toxins. We all have the, the sin of Abraham, the DNA of Abraham running in our veins. And so we are naturally born to be against God. We have to be taught. To love God. And so we are also naturally inclined to disobey God. We've got to go through experiences of getting to know him and trusting him before we can overcome that. But I just think when people are in our lives and they are at whatever level they're in, Mm -hmm. we still have to put God first. He says we have to love him above our children. 
We have to love him above our parents. So please, God, no matter what the other person is doing, let them do what they do Mm -hmm. just to make sure you are obeying God. Yeah. Yeah. It's this idea of in and of ourselves, even if we want to love God, there's so many other things that we love, so many other things that we want, so many other ways that we understand reality that these moments, these tests, as you mentioned, these periods where we actually have to make a choice when we choose God, it also is an opportunity for us to choose to let go of these other things, our desires, our understanding, our will. And the more we do that, the more capable we become of dying to self and actually letting God be all. And it takes a lifetime for us to do this, right? It never stops. It never never stops. And I think this is so important because we really do have our understanding of reality, of how things work. So when you talk about peace, our understanding of peace is nothing bad is happening around us. But what you've named, what we see in scripture and what we experienced in life is that there are always hardships. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And yet peace can exist amidst, like yes. you said, amidst the storm, yes. amidst the hardships. Jesus took a nap during a horrendous sea storm. Right? <laughs> so there is a peace that defies understanding or put another way, a peace that is not determined by circumstance. Yes. When we think of contentment, yes. we are after happiness. We're after feeling good. But contentment is the Apostle Paul being able to know that he was good, even as his circumstances were the worst they could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And so in these relationships where we're in a toxic space, but God won't let us leave, our understanding of reality says The only way I can have peace, the only way I can be happy is if this changes or this person changes or this person goes or this blah, 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 blah. And God says, doesn't matter. None of that matters. If you want peace, if you want contentment, then seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Because what I offer can exist in the worst of scenarios. But breaking that understanding is hard. And, And I think this is the other piece is when we believe that peace and contentment is the absence of hard things, we also are thinking it's the absence of negative emotions. But I'm starting to realize there is a space for contentment while still feeling the weight. An example of that is the number of times that Jesus felt the weight when he was outside Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and he wept. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Woe to you, because what could have been, or when Jesus was in the garden and weeping so hard, blood was coming from yeah, his pores. Yeah. It's like, if there's any way for this cup to be taken from me, when the disciples like missed it again and again and again, he's like, oh, you of little faith. Jesus felt the weight of the mm-hmm. brokenness of mm-hmm. people in the world. And yet he still had that inner peace. But I remember a time in my life where I knew that God was calling me to trust him. And I was to the best of my ability seeking him, but I felt the weight and it was so hard. And somebody questioned if I was really seeking God because I wasn't happy. Mm. Because if the Bible says, be content in all situations, then you should never be sad. You should always be happy. And so we picture in our mind that Jesus is always happy and smiling. But if Jesus wept, if Jesus felt sorrow, then that means that we can be content and have peace and be where God is inviting us to be and also feel the weight. Yes, I agree. We can feel the weight and we can feel sorry for other people. We can feel bad that other people are in certain situations. We can feel bad that we're in a situation, Mm -hmm. but we just can't stay there. We just can't stay there. Every now and then I would get in the doldrums, I call it. It was like a light bulb would go off and I would remind myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's that's not God. Mm-hmm. And I have this saying and I stand up and I stand strong like a soldier and in a loud and very commanding voice, I say, I am a child of the most high God, mm. heir to the throne of grace. Sister to my Savior, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Thank you, Lord, that you bless whatsoever I set my hands to do to prosper. 
Thank you that you are my rearward. You've got my back. Thank you for the angels you've encamped around about me. Angels, I dispatch you in the name of Jesus. Go before me and make the way plain and the path clear. Immediately, that feeling of the doldrums is gone. Mm -hmm. Immediately, every time. So much so that it rarely happens anymore that I get that feeling of the doldrums. Because it's like, I know what to do to make it go away. And so the enemy doesn't attack me with that. Mm -hmm. Because he knows I I know what to do to make it go. It doesn't mean he doesn't try other things. But we can feel sad. You know, we are human. Mm -hmm. And we have to live in this human flesh. And so... This human flesh has emotions from one extreme to the other. So we are going to have to deal with things that happen to us and around us. But we can't let any of those things that happen become more important than the thing that is most important, and that's our Lord and Savior. We just have to make sure that we keep things in perspective. And so when it comes to our body versus our spirit... If you have two lions and they're both in a cage, one lion gets fed 20 pounds of steak every day. The other lion gets goulash every day. The lion who gets the steak is allowed to get out of the cage and exercise every day. The one who gets the goulash is in the crate 24-7. At the end of one month, the two lions have to fight. Hmm. Which lion do you think will win? Mm-hmm. the one who gets fed and the one who gets exercised. So we exercise our body, even if not going to the gym, we get up, we move, we're moving our body, we feed our body, we watch TV, we let a lot of things into our body. And so we are feeding and nourishing our body every day. But are we feeding and nourishing our spirit? Mm-hmm. Our spirit can only be fed with the word of God. And so when we are short on spiritual nourishment and big on natural physical nourishment, then our body is going to always be stronger than our spirit. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that in your flesh dwelleth no good thing, right? So our spirit has to always be stronger than our flesh. Mm -hmm. We should be able to tell our flesh, no, we're not saying that anymore. No, we're not going over there anymore. No, we're not doing that anymore. No, that is behind me. Mm-hmm. And make our flesh obey. Mm-hmm. Your flesh will do whatever it wants. Our flesh has a mind of its own. And it'll, I want more of that alcohol, more, more, more. I want more of those drugs, more, more, more. Our flesh will kill us and having a good time doing it. We cannot pay attention to our flesh mm-hmm. because that's not who we are. We are spirit. And, you know, we mentioned earlier that in and of ourselves, we have a skewed understanding of reality. And so, you know, there's that passage where the heart is deceitful above all things, right? Like the heart thinks it knows what it needs. The flesh thinks it knows what it needs. And then meanwhile, God's like, I actually know what you need. I've given you my word so that you can know what you need. And when we're not actually seeking after a true understanding of reality and sitting in our human understanding we're going to keep on hitting these walls and it's going to make total sense. It is logical if you are in a toxic relationship to want to protect yourself yes. or to want to get away it from it logical. or to fight against it. It's yes. logical. Yes. And then sometimes the things that God invites us to are illogical. Exactly. But this is what I love about your proclamation. What you're essentially doing when you say that is you are naming some truths and deciding to affirm those truths. And these truths oftentimes are the very things that we need to reorient our minds around when we're in a toxic space. So, for example, in the toxic spaces I've been in, one of the places that I have been beaten down is my identity and how somebody directly interacts with me or speaks to me or how I perceive they see me can make me feel less of myself. But in your declaration, you name your true identity. And your identity as a child of God, (laughs) a a co-heir, a sister of Christ, like that exists regardless of what other people do, regardless of what other people say. And when you affirm that, you can go back into whatever situation and know that that is unchanging. Yes, I had that experience of when God was like, I need you to know who I made you to be when I actually listened to him and let myself affirm that. The situations didn't get better, 
but I was able to know who I was. You were also in that proclamation claiming what the purpose is of all this, where you're heading, your destination, because if we're in a hard relationship, then the destination is for that relationship to be good. Or if we're in a toxic work environment, the destination is for us to be respected or the job to get better. Or, And if our destination is simply to walk with God, then it doesn't matter how dark the valleys are we're yes, walking through yes. because that can exist. And so I love that you shared that because what it emphasizes is that regardless of our situation, if we can know what is actually true, not just what we see around us, not just what is logical, but what is actually true on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. we can move forward whatever is going on around us. That's right. That's right. I like to look at it from the perspective that whatever is going on, God will use the situation to strengthen us. Going back to the physical versus the natural, mm-hmm. when we want to get strong, we go to the gym, right? And we exercise and you know we pick up weights. And let's say we want to work on our biceps and we've got one bicep at a time and our elbows on the table and we get a two pound weight. Mm-hmm. Lifting a two pound weight, even for me, okay, that's lightweight. But a little bit of weight, a little bit of energy or effort, a little bit of muscle strength. Well, let's say I get a 10-pound weight. 10-pound mm-hmm. weight, a lot more weight, a lot more effort, but a lot more muscle strength. Mm-hmm. And let's say I've got a 20-pound weight. Well, you could probably do 20 pounds for your biceps, no problem. For me, that'd be a lot, <laughs> that'd be a lot of effort. But 20 pounds is going to be a lot more weight, a lot more effort. Yeah. Therefore, a lot more muscle strength. The bigger the weight, the heavier the weight, the more strengthening we get. Well, God uses trials and tribulations as spiritual barbells to strengthen our spirit man. So that's why at the beginning of every trial, we have to ask God, what is it you want me to see? What is it you want me to know? What is it you want me to do? And how do you want me to be? Because then we will be able to get through that trial sooner rather than later, yeah. you know, faster, and we won't repeat the same thing over and over. Because God uses the trials as spiritual barbells, I've actually looked at trials very differently now. I embrace the trials mm-hmm. because I see the trials as God's wink to me that He's ready to move me to the next higher level of spiritual purpose. But first, I have to pass the test. I have to go through that trial in a manner that will glorify God. I have to go through that trial the way God wants me to go through that trial. I can't get back at Sally because Sally was nasty to me. I have to always move in a way that will please and glorify the Lord. Then I get promoted to the next higher level of spiritual purpose. So trials are not necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of our perspective and how we look at it. But if we know that all things work together for our good, for those who are called according to the purpose of God, then we know God's got our back. He's going to take care of us. And he's just, what is it you want me to learn? Mm-hmm. You know, just ask him all day. I talk to God all day, every day. I ask him questions. What should I do about this, Lord? What would you have me do about that? Yeah. I needed a new car mm-hmm. and I didn't want to buy a new car. I didn't want a new car note. I just needed a newer car. The one I had was my car baby. And I drove that car seven years after it was already paid for mm-hmm. So it was, it was hanging in there. And I said, Lord, I said, I need another car. And I had clients. This is when I had my business and I would transport my clients in my car. So I still needed a car that was nice enough that I could transport clients. And I said, Lord, what must I do about a car? I never looked for a car. I never rode around trying to test drive cars. No answer. This went on for like a couple of months. And then one day I was out with my little dog in my car And he needed to relieve himself. So I pulled up in a strip mall and I looked out my window and I didn't like the grass in that strip mall. It didn't look nice. And so I didn't want him to go potty there. Drove down the street to another strip mall. That grass didn't look good. Went to the third strip mall. That grass didn't look good. And Mm. I was like, Janice, what are you doing? This dog just needs to be. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up at my fifth strip mall. Yeah. Saw a nice patch of grass, let him out to do what he had to do. Well, as I was leaving that mall, I saw a car that began to flash at me. Mm. Now, that's just a unique thing God uses with me to get my attention. It happens in scripture. Scripture will flash at me too when he wants to get my attention. Well, this car flashed. So I, and it had a for sale sign. 
It was not the kind of car I had ever considered getting, but it flashed. And so I knew I had to do something. That car pulled out of the parking lot. I had to wait for traffic before I could pull out. But just so happened, in quotes, just so happened, Mm -hmm. that car got stopped by the light. Mm -hmm. When I pulled up, just so happened, the lane beside that car was empty. And that lane that was empty just so happened to be on the side where the for sale sign was. Wow. So I wrote down the number to the guy and I went on home. I called him. They were only four miles from me in a gated community. And he and his wife had four cars and they just didn't need it. It was a Mercedes Benz CLK, the two door version. It had only 23,000 miles on it. And he only wanted $19,000 for it. So God had me go strip mall to strip mall to strip mall to get to that fifth strip mall because he knew that guy would be there that day at the same time and I would see it. And so we have to let God lead. We don't tell God what we want. I know a lot of people tell God what to do. God, make him do this. God, do this. God, we can't tell God what to do. (laughs) That doesn't work. And so we just have to always ask God and then let him lead us. Yeah. It just brings to mind all the passages that talk about how we don't have to be anxious about anything. We don't have to worry about anything. Passages that say your father knows what you need. Yes. And so in all of this, what we're actually talking about is in our spiritual immaturity, we think we know what we need. We definitely know what we want. And we press forward towards that. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, there's an opportunity for deepening of relationship with our father who actually knows what we need and also knows what he wants and sometimes gives us good gifts, right? The invitation here is to choose to focus on that relationship, knowing that that impacts everything else. Sink first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will follow. So when we come back around to this idea of difficult relationships, difficult spaces that God is not freeing us from. And we're like, how do I stay in a space where the harm keeps on happening? I think sometimes we can focus on those surface level relationships and what needs to change in those and what needs to happen in those. When in reality, in those moments, we can hone our focus on our relationship with our father yes, who knows our needs, who knows the struggles, who has chosen not to free us for some reason in his wisdom. The more we're focused on that, the more we can be in a place like what you described, where we can have an actual need and God can take us to the way there in a way that we would never have expected. You would not have chosen multiple strip malls, (laughs) right? Because grass is grass. (laughs) But But there is something that God was doing. Actually, I keep thinking about your book, A Journey to Your Calling. And I feel like we're talking about this concept in a very focused way, but it also applies to the broader things of our life. And so I imagine the flip side is true, that this book that you wrote, there are principles in that that also apply to these hard situations. But I think that's where we trip up sometimes is like when things are good in life. Yeah, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to read my Bible. But when things are hard, we start to struggle to live those things out. So tell me a little more about this book and how you see the principles in your book playing into this topic of remaining in hard spaces. For one, I never thought to write a book. I had no plans to write a book. Mm -hmm. One day, God just said to me, write a book. And he gave me the title. The title meant absolutely nothing at the time. And I said, Lord, I have nothing to tell the people. Mm. And so I ask you to write the book through me. And he did. And he started giving me ideas. Ideas were coming so fast, I could hardly write them down. And I was scribbling everywhere. That went on for three weeks. And at the end of three weeks, I organized the scribble into groups. And those groups became my chapters. Well, I began to write. And I did ask God. I I was so busy because I had the business at the time. And I said, well, Lord, how do I write the book? Basically, I was asking him, how do I fit it in? Mm. And he said, arise early at five. Mm. So every morning at five o'clock, I would get up and grab my computer and my fingers would just go. Yeah, I wrote every day for six months. That was just to finish the first rough draft. And it wasn't until I finished and then I looked back over it that I realized what had been written. And I think God wanted this book in the earth because he has put each one of us on this planet 
for each one of us to carry out a specific assignment and our specific calling. And there's a big difference between our purpose and our calling. Our purpose as Christians, we all have the same purpose. As Christians, we are to be Christ-like, be the God that people cannot see on this earth. So we're to be Christ-like. We are to be the light of the earth. We're to be salt of the earth. And we are to work in our ministry of reconciliation by trying to help bring others to Christ. So as Christians, we are to all do that. That's our purpose. Mm -hmm. But our calling is unique to us as an individual. Our calling has nothing to do with our education. It has nothing to do with our career choice. It has nothing to do with how much money we have or don't have. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It has nothing to do with what we want. Our calling has nothing to do with a choice we made or a decision we made. Our calling is, what does God want of you? Why did God plant you on this earth? And he will call you into doing a certain thing. It's not a personal choice. It's what is he calling you to do? And so I believe the reason he had wanted this book in the earth is because Every one of us has a calling, mm -hmm. especially those who are Christian. And most people live and die and never know what their calling was. They never know what that assignment was or why they were here. Mm -hmm. So I honestly think I wanted this book in the earth because he wanted more people to understand how to come into their calling. Yeah. The base scripture for the book is Psalms 37, 4 where it says, delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Everybody I've ever heard reference that scripture uses it in a matter to say, well, just pray and ask God because he says he'll give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean whatever you want, ask God, and he's like Santa Claus going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not what it means at all. It means God will literally give you the desire, not what you want give you the desire of your heart. And that happened to me as I was leaving the business that I had. He had me leaving the business. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about being in tough situations. Everything around the business was crashing around me mm -hmm. all at the same time. I call it the time of my 10 alligator trials, like Peter walking on the water. He did fine as long as his eyes were on Jesus. But the minute he looked down at the situation, he sank. So rather than sink, I chose to do the Daniel fast, the 21-day fast. And I did the Daniel fast four times in one year. Mm. So that means four months out of the year, basically, I was fasting. Yeah. But I needed to stay focused on the Lord. So the book is, it talks about those difficult people and how to deal with those difficult people. It talks about talking to God, establishing a relationship with God and how to do that. Even the prayer of salvation is in the book. Uh, it talks about allowing God to mature you, to grow us up, and the spiritual barbells and how they work. It talks about allowing God to use us. grow. He's got to grow us up and mature us before he can use us, right? And so it talks about how we have to allow him to use us. It talks about fighting the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks a lot about armies and weapons and soldiers and battles. And so it talks about all of that. And it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. So we need to do that every day. Then the whole, he gave me a prayer that's about the armor of God. And it's the same armor that's in the scriptures, but he gave me additional scriptures that surround each piece of the armor. It's beautiful. And so the whole armor prayer is also in the book, but we have to learn how to fight. And we don't fight the way we naturally think to fight. It's a spiritual warfare. And we cannot fight the adversary. There's nothing you can do ever to overcome that devil, but to pray. You know, the devil is God's problem. And when I say the devil is God's problem, that includes people who are acting ugly. That's God's problem. That Let God handle that. You just keep your eyes and ears focused on the Lord and obey him. Obedience is the key to the relationship with God. The key to coming into your calling, the key to having a successful relationship, a powerful relationship with the Lord is to obey. Because obedience actually births trust. We don't trust God just because he's God. We know we he's the big guy in the sky. And so we, we know we don't want to mess with him, but we don't really trust him. Because if we trusted him, 
is have we done everything he's ever told us to do? No. And so when we obey him and we see his faithfulness to us, that's what births our trust. Mm-hmm. And the more trust we build, the more faith then we have. And so we're able to do bigger and greater things. The more we ask God, what is it you want me to see, know, and do? How do you want me to be? The more we're successful at doing that, the more we'll move to the next level of higher spiritual purpose, then the next level. And so he's able then to do even grander things through us because we're mature soldiers now. And he's able to really put us in the middle of the heat of the battle because he knows we can handle it and we can overcome. The book is all about growing stronger in the Lord so that he can use you more and use you at greater levels. Yeah, it's there's just so much stuff in that. And what I really appreciate, not just about that, but about the title, you know, it says a journey to your calling and how we function as people is we want to get a book and we wanted to tell us exactly how to figure out my calling right now so I could do exactly. <laughs> and I love that the word journey is in there mm-hmm. because as much as we want everything to be a quick hit, quick solution, if Joseph operated that way, then he could have been like, all right, I guess my calling is to be able to see dreams and do all that kind of stuff. And then he got thrown into a pit. And if he had just stopped, right, well, I guess my calling is to live in a pit. He gets <laughs> enslaved. I guess my calling is to be a slave. I guess my calling is to be in prison. Uh, his calling was to represent God in whatever space that he was in. Yes. And when he would live into that, he saw God working in powerful ways. It's so easy for us to attach exactly what our situation is to who we are. Yes. When God's like, man, I'm doing abundantly more than you can ask or yes. imagine. So in the same way, we can take the same approach with our hard relationships and our hard environments. God, tell me exactly what to do. Do I stay or do I go? Yes. <laughs> and God's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're asking the wrong question. Yes. The first question is, how can you seek me where you are right now? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can show you more and more yes. where we go from here. Because if God had said to Joseph, you're going to be second in command to Pharaoh. What in the world would Joseph have done with that information? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have known how to get to that point. He might have gotten prideful, like, oh, I'm going to yeah. be second in command. Right, right. No, God knew he couldn't handle that. And so he took him on a journey. Yes. And like you said, worked out some of the things that needed to be worked out, built up some of the muscles that needed to be built. Yes. And so in these hard spaces, like my friend Angela asked, like, how do we remain in these spaces? We remain by seeking God yes, and trusting that God can show us rather than it being a prescriptive, when a situation is hard, you stay or you go. That's right. It's no, you, you seek God. You know, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but I want to honor your time. So I have two final questions. The first is very straightforward. If somebody wanted to connect with your book, if they wanted to connect with other content, if they wanted to connect with you, how do they do so? Well, for the book, we do have a website. The book is Journey to Your Calling and the website just add .com. So it's journeytoyourcalling.com. It is also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. They've raised the price though on both of theirs. We have not Mm -hmm. on ours. Ours is a little bit less. But more importantly, if you go to journeytoyourcalling.com, you'll see a flip book on the website where you can actually begin to flip through the pages and read the pages. So my pastor's wife wrote the forward for the book. And so you can actually read her forward. She called it, she said, it's a guide. It's a roadmap. You can do classes with this. She, she loved it. And it's true. It is a guide. And I wrote Matt, as, as a matter of fact, just real quick, I asked the Lord after I wrote it, you were talking about people, we want quick answers. I said, Lord, how do I promote this book? Because it's not a novel. Right. It's not, you know, lady meets man, goes to Paris, meets man, fall in love happily ever after. It's not a novel. I said, how do I promote this book? And the Lord said, it is the book you do. Hmm. So you can read the book from cover to cover. You will not know what your calling is. It's something you just said a little bit earlier. You can't just have a quick fix. You will not know what you're calling us just because you read the book. (laughs) You have to do the book. God says it is the book you do. So the steps that are in chapter one, you have to make sure you do each one of those steps that are in chapter one. It's the same thing for chapter two. And you in that order, you can't skip to number four if you haven't already mastered those things in chapter one through three. 
It is a journey. And the journey is with the Lord. And you have to have and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through that journey. And so if you do, you'll come into your calling. And as far as reaching me, my email is author at journeytoyourcalling.com. And so I do plan to do classes. The Lord told me to do classes. He also told me to become a journey coach and literally work with people as they are journeying. And I haven't started doing that yet. I have to ask him, Lord, now, how do I do this again? (laughs) I'm looking forward to doing it, though. And so I believe he's given me everything I need to be able to minister to people and just help them see what it is God wants them to do. And I'm not God, but I know what's in the book. I'll just say it like that. So, Yeah, that's great. And then my last question is also very simple. Is there anything else on your heart or mind that you feel like you need to share before we go? I would encourage everyone to take the time and recognize what they're doing. Are they pleasing God or is what they're doing pleasing the adversary? Everything we do, we're either pleasing God or we're pleasing the adversary. There's no middle ground. And begin to look at some of the things that we're doing, some of the things we're saying, some of the people we're with, some of the TV shows we watch, some of the movies we watch, and say, if Jesus was right here, would I be doing this? It's a sacrificial life we live. In order to come into your calling and carry out your calling, it's going to require sacrifice. You're going to have to give up people. You're going to have to give up habits and hobbies. You're going to have to give up addictions. And like food addiction, TV addiction, it could be any kind of addiction. It's a sacrificial life. But it's the most rewarding experience and the most rewarding life there is. And so I would encourage everyone to just Do that check with yourself inside. Am I pleasing God? Is this act, this thought, this plan, am I pleasing God or am I pleasing the adversary? Um, That's the start. And if you want more on pleasing the Lord, then please check out journeytoyourcalling.com and order the book. When you do order from journeytoyourcalling.com, when you receive your book, it will already be autographed. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting For most of my life, I didn't actually believe that God would make me stay in a hard situation or difficult relationship. Because why would he? Why would a good God do that? And if I was good, why would I be punished in that way? Now, I believed all this even after having read the Bible, where so many people were invited to stay in hard situations or difficult relationships. In fact, one of those was Jesus. Jesus endured the hardest situations and most toxic relationships and did so in a beautiful way. In fact, we can look at Hebrews 4 and get a glimpse of it. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, and he didn't sin. And because of that, we can receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And again, Jesus was in some frustrating situations. We like to picture him as always smiling, always calm, But he had some frustrating situations to navigate. Take Mark 9, for example. Jesus had just experienced the most amazing thing on the Mount of Transfiguration, only to come down and find a crowd of people arguing. There was a man whose son had a demon. The disciples couldn't heal him, and they're calling Jesus out on it. And Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, I'm adding some tone into that. I don't know what Jesus' tone was. I don't know how furrowed his brow was, but this was a frustrating situation. And what I know from Hebrews is he navigated it without sinning. He navigated it with mercy and grace. 
And then he invites us to not just do as he does, but to go and do greater things. In other words, if God invited his own son to persevere through hard situations and toxic relationships, we may be invited to do the same. Now let's pause here, because this isn't a broad sweep to say you always have to stay in those spaces. The broad sweep here is we need to seek God first. And if God invites us to stay, then Jesus has given us an example. But there will be times that God does make a way to leave. There will be experiences that God asks you to step away from. So what we're talking about here is not all of the hard situations and all of the toxic relationships. What we're talking about is the ones where you ask God to free you and God says, I want to invite you to stay. And that is hard. I can tell you from experience because this entire episode, I have been thinking about the difficult situations and toxic relationships that I begged God to free me from, and he didn't. Because he wanted more than my happiness or my comfort. He wanted far exceedingly more. And he wanted more than just something for me. He was doing something above and beyond me. I'm having a hard time finding a good way to wrap this up because I know that there are some of you that are in excruciatingly painful situations and relationships. And I do not want this to come across as some flighty Christianese attempt to smooth things over. So this is what I'll say. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. So, we have the opportunity to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is ready to help you in your time of need. And if that help doesn't include extricating you from the situation or relationship, you can believe that he is up to abundantly more. And it may continue to be hard, but the Apostle Paul says that there is a way to be content in every situation. Somehow, in the hardest, most frustrating moments, God can do something within us that makes no sense, but allows us to keep on going. I've experienced it. I know it's real. And I want you to experience it too. So, no matter what your situation, no matter how hard the relationship, if God's asking you to remain, I want you to know that God is going to remain with you. And if God is remaining with you, that means no matter how rough the situation or relationship, He is there now. We just have to look for Him. So take a step back, look at your situation, and ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?